Hey guys, it's Kayla. It's Evan. And welcome to Podstetrics. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Podstetrics. Welcome. Today we're going to be talking about something, again, really exciting. I feel like I say that every week. You do. Yeah, I get really excited. I'm sorry. Um, today we're going to be talking about fetal surveillance during the ante- both the antenatal period as well as the intrapartum period. Mm-hmm. So basically looking at how well baby's doing during pregnancy and as well as during labour. Yeah, and when we do these tests as well. Yeah. Um, which I think is very important. And it's quite complicated as well because there's so many different tests and they mean a lot of things and there's a lot that goes into each of the tests. So I think it's really good that we you know break it down and, and explain everything a little bit. Yeah. Um, today being a little bit different as well, we're not going to start off with a case. No. Just because we're talking about fetal surveillance. But in other episodes, we'll go back to that Maybe. case-based structure. <laughs> No, we will. (laughs) So we'll start off with the antenatal period. And during the antenatal period, the ultrasound really obviously predominates. Mm -hmm. So we use the ultrasound for a number of different reasons. So we use it to confirm pregnancy first, as well as looking at the number of pregnancies. So whether it's twins, whether it's triplets or anything bigger than that. Mm -hmm. I forgot the words. (laughs) Uh, We're also looking at fetal morphology, essentially like observing baby's body, placental position, umbilical cord, as well as the amniotic fluid and with the amniotic fluid, we use something called the amniotic fluid index. Mm-hmm. Um, in term, in regards to placental location, we look for again, obviously, how placenta is lying. So for low li- so low lying may be an indication for things like placenta previa. But as pregnancy does continue, the placenta can move up, and it's something that needs to be continuously monitored because women that do have a low lying placenta do require a cesarean for delivery. Yeah. So next we have fetal growth, and here we're trying to really identify whether babies normal size or too big or too small so we start off with too small and this is when baby lies under the 10th centile and centiles are things that we we speak about a lot in medicine and really what a centile is is uh, how your baby is um, weighing compared to the standard population Mm -hmm. so we have you know a standard graph of you know x amount of babies being delivered um, and then we have their weights and, and we plot them on a bell curve yeah. And so we want baby really to be sitting in the middle. So if baby's really small, so in the bottom 10% of weights, we need to know why baby's small. So baby might be constitutionally small, and this is often referred to as you know being genetically small. Mm-hmm. And this is normal if mum and dad are small. small. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we have um, you know pathological smallness. And this is when some sort of pathology, so something is going wrong, which is causing the baby to be small. An example of this is intrauterine growth restriction or IUGR. Um, and this can affect one in 13 pregnancies. Then we have big babies. So these are babies who are in the top 3% of weight, so greater than the 97th centile. And there are a number of things, uh, there are a number of reasons why we worry about babies that are too big. And that's because there's an increased risk of things like stillbirth, respiratory dispre- uh, distress, and meconium lyca. So this is when babies stress during delivery. Yeah. And, and that kind of makes sense. So if baby's really big, um, it's going through a fixed passage and it's going to be a lot harder to deliver. Yeah. Meconium is something that we've been speaking about a fair bit during mm-hmm. our podcast. So how do we measure whether baby is too big, whether baby is too small, or whether baby is normal? Mm-hmm. So we do different measurements. One is the femur length. Another one is the abdominal circumference. And the other one is the head circumference and biparietal diameter. So it tells us where growth is going wrong, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So there are a number of different reasons why we might have different causes as to why baby might, baby's head might be too big or baby's head might be too small. Same thing with abdominal and same thing with femur. So in regards to head circumference and biparietal diameter, what we're looking for is too small could indicate, indicate something known as microcephaly. Mm-hmm. And that's within the lower 2.5% centile. Yeah. 
And reasons that that might occur are things like infection. So again, if you want, go back to our infection episode with um, Chris John, Dr. Chris John. And what we're looking at are things like CMV, toxoplasmosis, as well as the Zika virus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also looking for things like, well, another reason could be brain malformation. Mm-hmm. With macrocephaly, we're looking at babies that have a biparietal diameter and a head circumference greater than the 97.5% centile. Uh, and what we're looking at are things like hydrocephalus as well as different syndromes that we might see in baby. I'm not going to try with this last word. What's that? How do you pronounce I've that? actually never heard of that. And it looks like dolicocephaly. Dolicocephaly. But I'm not quite sure what that is. Might have to look it up and explain it in the next episode. Yeah. Because I've actually never heard of that one. Write a quick note. Uh, with abdominal circumference, within the lower 10th centile, we're looking at things like placental insufficiency as well as gastro... Skesis. Thank you. <laughs> and within the greater 90th centile, we're, suggest- we're looking at things like a diabetic mother as well as fe- fetal... Ascites. Thank you. Yeah. So gastroschisis is interesting. So it's a, um, it is a uh, GI malformation that can take place. And there are two things that can happen. So we can have either gastroschisis or another thing called emphalocele. Okay. Basically, yeah. it's when the abdominal contents protrude out of oh, baby's baby. body. Yeah. And emphalocele is when it's covered... Um, with a membrane, and then gastroschisis is it's when just it's out. out. Okay. Yeah, and emphalocele is often worse and indicates a genetic malformation. Yeah. Uh, with fetal, with femur length, sorry, uh, are they short or lower than the one one percent centile? One. 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 <laughs> sorry, the T. The, the first. <laughs> I thought I said thought I saw T H. I'm blind. Leave me alone. <laughs> We're looking at, again, uh, different syndromes as well as skeletal causes. Yeah, and just a reminder that the femur is in the leg as well. Because I'm going to forget. And I think the femur's in the arm. (laughs) Femur arm. Um, So again, we're looking at placental function as well as uh, fetal well-being. But let's talk a little bit now about the intrapartum period. Yeah. So the main thing that we use for the intrapartum period is CTG or Uh cardiotocography. You Um, can't pronounce it. And we've spoken about this before. And this is really measuring baby's heartbeat as well as the uterine contractions. And it tells us how baby's going. Um, I guess with the actual ultrasounds, when do we actually do them? So generally, um, we do an early one, which is called the early um, ultrasound, which is done at about eight to 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. And that does all the confirmation things like the number of pregnancies and and, and stuff like that. Then we do um, a later ultrasound at 28 weeks. And this is looking specifically for early onset fetal growth restriction. Um, And then we can also do them at 32 and 36 weeks. And this is looking for late fetal growth restriction. Yeah. Uh, who do we select currently selectively scan? So in regards to maternal factors, we're looking at a BMI more than 30 or less than 20. We're looking at advanced maternal age. So women older than 35, you're considered advanced for maternal age. Uh, we're looking at people who are smokers during their pregnancy, um, drug use, uh, as well as people that consume alcohol during their pregnancy. Uh, We're looking at women that have uterine fibroids or any sort of malformations. We're Mm -hmm. looking at IVF pregnancies and medical comorbidities. So any problems in regards to like renal dysfunction, uh, cardiac dysfunction, diabetes, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we're also looking for poor gestational weight gain. Yeah, because that really tells us that baby's not growing. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Um, and then we've also got some fe- uh, fetal factors as well. So polyhydramnios, that being that the amniotic fluid index is too high, so there's too much amniotic fluid. If there's been a previous IUGR or a stillbirth, also something called PAP-A, which Kayla will talk about, um, and then um, any hemorrhages as well. Yeah. So PAP-A, and that's spelled P-A-P-P-A. 
A, mm-hmm. uh, is something, so it's called pregnancy associated plasma protein A. And it's one of the two maternal factors used during the antenatal period to detect for any sort of abnormalities in baby. Mm-hmm. And it's produced by placental syncytiotrophoblasts, mm-hmm. big word. Um, a low level of PAP-A indicates things like low birth weight, so low birth weight of baby, uh, increased chance of premature delivery, as well as an increased chance uh, of developing things like preeclampsia. And we'll have an episode dedicated to, yeah. uh, to preeclampsia mm-hmm. as well. And so next now we move into the biophysical profile, which is another really important um, imaging modality that we do. And there's a number of things that we look for when we do this. The first is fetal breathing, uh, particularly how the fetal breathing movements are being represented. Um, And this is really baby practicing how to breathe because baby doesn't really need to breathe in utero, but baby's presenting how to... uh, Baby's practicing how to breathe, so how to inflate yeah. the lungs. Yeah. Um, then we've got fetal, fetal, uh, <laughs> fetal reactivity, so how baby is moving, the fetal tone, whether there's good tone on movement, um, and then movement, of course. Yeah. And then we also evaluate the amniotic fluid vol- uh, volume, and this really tells us about uh, oligohydramnios, so not having enough, and polyhydramnios as well. Um, We then move on to the blood flow in the uterus and there are a number of factors um, that we look at there. Yeah, so first we do look at the umbilical artery. Uh, If there's an increase in flow through the umbilical artery, it suggests that there's some sort of placental resistance. If there's a dysfunctional umbilical flow through the umbilical artery, it may be an indication of intrauterine growth restriction. Mm -hmm. We also look at the middle cerebral artery or the MCA. If there's an increase, it suggests that the fetus is sending a maximum amount of blood flow to the brain, which means that it's an indication that baby's essentially compensating for something or they're under some sort of distress. And the first thing that they're going to do is send blood to the brain because that's the one thing that you really want to protect. Yes. Yeah. The other thing that we look for is flow through something known as the ductus venosus. Mm-hmm. Do you want to explain to us what the ductus venosus is, Evan? So, uh, <laughs> Dr. Evan. Remembering clearly, the ductus venosus is the shunt that takes blood past the hepatic circuit straight into the heart. Yeah. So baby doesn't need, I guess, to use the liver to filter blood um, because the blood's already nutrient-rich and has been filtered by mum. And so that blood can bypass that circuit and go straight to the heart. And so we can use that to measure the flow. So if there's not enough flow through there, then we know that something is really going going wrong there. So really, I guess this is the conclusion of the episode. So... I guess to say that there are a number of imaging modalities that we use in the antenatal period. And really all these things are, first of all, seeing how baby is doing, importantly, whether baby is growing properly, um, and if not, why. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, if mum has any issues with any maternal function as well. Yeah. So again, really importantly, knowing where the placenta is um, allows us to plan for things like placenta previa. Um, and also... Um, there was one more thing that I was going to say with mum like, that I, I guess forgot. understanding that baby's well supported as well for the pregnancy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if something goes wrong, we can address the factors quickly yeah. um, and rectify them. But also importantly, um, the number of pregnancies is really important as well because obviously, if you and have then, you know twin pregnancies, it's going to be different in terms of when we do tests and things like that. Yeah, uh, we just want to also quickly plug our next episode because there's one imaging modality, I guess, or, or some sort of um, yeah that we haven't spoken about during this episode in a lot of detail and that's the ctg mm-hmm. um our podski is going to, so we will do this in a podski format and it will focus on uh both an antenatal ctg as well as the intrapartum ctg what we look for in Absolutely. baby and why it's really mm-hmm. really important and i guess another thing that i really want to point out as well is fetal surveillance obviously includes other things that we haven't covered today yeah. so things like the uh, glucose tolerance test 
Um, yes. And then all the serology testing, so the blood test that mum has as well. Yeah. And then also things like amniocentesis. Um, or that's a big um, one. What's the other one called? I keep forgetting. Don't one, ask it me. starts with a C, and I always forget it. Um, but amniocentesis being the earlier one, and then chorionic villus. Sampling. Yeah, chorionic yeah. villus sampling CVS. That's yeah. the one, um, which we'll cover in another episode. I'm so proud of myself. Good job. <laughs> But that brings us to the end of our episode. So again, you can find us on uh, on a lot of streaming platforms. So we have Spotify, we have Apple Podcasts, and we have Castbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, please follow us and like us on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we have a Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And rate and review us as well on Apple Podcasts because it helps people find us. Yeah. But really, an easy way: just Google Podstetrics, and everything will come up. Amen. So thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Kayla, and I'm Evan. Stay safe, guys, and take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye.